The Old Testament lesson is just the one verse from Exodus 20, verse 16, the ninth commandment. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, with a lot of these commandments, we've been looking at what does Jesus do with them? How does he get to the root at what these are all about? And so we're going to also turn to Matthew chapter 12 and see in a story where Jesus has been confronted with the Pharisees and, and uh, some of the things they're saying, how he actually uses it to talk a little bit about our speech. And so let's focus our attention on that. Matthew 12, verses 22 through 37 where Jesus has brought someone who's demon-possessed, so he has to cast out demons in his healing, and then the reaction of the Pharisees. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it's by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So I tell you, Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And in particular, we're going to focus on these words, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up for him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up for him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Would you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, as we come once again to the word that you have inspired and kept pure for us 20 centuries later, we pray now that you would continue to inspire these words to us today and help us understand not only what they mean, but how each one of us has to take them to heart and how each one of us has to deal with them in a way that you deem appropriate. Give us wisdom to know what that is and courage to be able to want to live according to your will. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Watch your mouth. Any of you, any of your parents had to say that to you? 
Maybe you said something hurtful. Maybe you said something sinful. Well, that's what God's saying in the ninth commandment. Watch your mouth. It comes out, don't bear false testimony against your neighbor. But false testimony is not just for the court of law. It's, it's also saying something untrue about others. I love the way the catechism clarifies it. And this is based on uh, other scriptures in addition to this ninth commandment. But it reminds us that God's will is that I never give false testimony against anyone. And up to this point, we can say, whew, I got that one nailed. I've never perjured myself in the court of law. I've never, never brought false testimony against anybody. But not so fast. How about the rest of it? That I twist no one's words. Not gossip or slander. Not join in with others in condemning anybody. But rather, avoiding lying and deceit. How are we doing now? I don't know about you, but I feel convicted. And that, in fact, positively, I should love the truth. Love the truth. Speak candidly the truth. Openly acknowledge the truth. And I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Here's a thought. My apologies for you who are not on Facebook, but what if that was the rule that we all came to Facebook with? Or we all came to our conversations with when we're talking about politics or talking about how COVID-19 is being handled in our state, that I guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Whoever that neighbor is, whatever title they may wear. And at the same time, we look around and say, no, there's a lot of false testimony going around. Are we part of it? Jesus put up with a lot of false testimony. And here, these particular Pharisees are doing so by attributing the Spirit's work to Satan. Saying that Jesus, in casting out demons from this man and healing him, was in league with Beelzebul in his healing. And that had to hurt. Well, Jesus deals with it logically. He says, first of all, why would Satan work against himself? But he also deals with it biblically. And he says, this is blasphemy. This is the unforgivable sin against the Holy Spirit. What's the unforgivable sin against the Holy Spirit? Attributing the Spirit's work to Satan. Saying what God has done is actually what Satan's doing. And maybe reversing it too and, saying, and attributing some satanic things to God. But then Jesus goes on to use this situation to talk about speech. As with the other commands, he gets to the attitude as well as the action, the heart as well as the mouth. And he shares three facts about speech. First, speech is determined by who you are. Speech is determined by who you are. 
In verses 33 and 34, Jesus uses an analogy and then gives an insight. The analogy is a favorite of Jesus. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. And it's not ever vice versa. It can't be. You know a tree by its fruit. Well, that's simple. That's easily understood. That's a no-brainer, we might say. But then he applies it to the mouth. And he says, the mouth simply speaks what the heart feels. The mouth simply is speaking out of the overflow of one's heart. That is, our speech is determined by who we are at heart. So just as a Texan speaks with a drawl or a British person, the Queen's English, so a critical person speaks critically. A loving person speaks lovingly. Then Jesus applies this to his critics. And to those critics, he says, you pack of snakes. Of course you can't say anything good. You're evil. That's who you are at heart. Now, you can call that an insult, and it certainly is. But it's actually also Jesus' insight. Now, fruit trees and snakes probably remind us of the Garden of Eden and Satan as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. And that may be intentional on Jesus' part because Jesus is identifying his critics with the family from which they come. And what family is that? It's Satan's family. Jesus is clearer on this in the Gospel of John. John 8 Verses 42 to 47, Jesus says, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and now I'm here. I've not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for the truth is not in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So what Jesus is saying in these two passages is, in essence, as snakes, they are children of Satan. And they speak lies because their father, Satan, is the father of lies. And so deceit is their native language. Their speech is blasphemy and it's unforgivable because it comes from Satan. It is who they are at the heart. This is pretty rough. But Jesus is dealing with something that can be a pernicious evil, as, as James pointed out, how, how deadly that little tongue can be. Have you ever commented after saying something that wasn't well-received, well, I'm sorry, that's just who I am, or that's just how I feel? Jesus says, you're right. You're right, that is who you are. And all the, that's all the more reason then to watch your heart. Watch your mouth because it's bringing about what comes from your heart. So first, 
speech, our speech is determined by who we are at heart. It's just going to come spewing out sometime. But secondly, speech also reveals who you are to yourself, but also to others. There's an old acronym in the computer world, GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. That is, the data coming out of a computer is only as good as the data that's entered. It's only as good as what's inside, what's put inside. Well, Jesus says something similar about speech in Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verses 10 through 20. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. The the Pharisees have been taking on the disciples because they're not washing right, they're not following the kosher laws quite right, the laws of cleanness and uncleanness. And he says, no, what comes out of him, what goes into a man's mouth doesn't make him unclean. Don't worry so much about that. But what comes out of his mouth, that's what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came and asked him, do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly Father has planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they're blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain this parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands doesn't make him unclean. So the particular Pharisees he was addressing were focused on what they put into their mouths. Jesus focuses on what's coming out of their mouths and ours as well. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Those words should sound very familiar because those are the ones we've just been dealing with in the Ten Commandments. A lot of them are in the the Ten Commandments here. And in in a sense, this is kind of a summary of Jesus' view on all the commandments. Internal attitude comes out in external action. Internal attitude, one's heart, comes out in external action, in this case, one's mouth. There's a phrase you may have heard and maybe used, the truth will out. The truth will out. The idea that eventually the truth's going to come out. You can't hold down the truth forever. And eventually it's going to come out. Well, Jesus says that who we are at heart is eventually going to come out of our mouths. We often try to hide who we are. We create a certain image of ourselves that we want people to see about us. But sooner or later, Jesus says, the heart overflows through the mouth and reveals who we really are. For just so long can a bigoted person guard his speech about minorities. For just so long can a gossip guard what's entrusted in confidence. For just so long can a bitter person speak flowery words. And for just so long can a righteous person silently tolerate injustice. For just so long can a compassionate person bear with insensitive talk about others. 
It's usually in our unguarded moments that we reveal our true character. The truth will out. And when it does, it reveals to us, but also to others, what's inside. So what's in our hearts today? What does our speech, especially in unguarded moments, reveal about who we are? We can learn a lot if we just watch our mouths. So, our speech is determined by who we are. Our speech reveals who we are. But finally, our speech can also reveal our eternal destiny. A famous caution that was turned into posters during World War II was, Loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink ships. There was thought to be enough spies around from the enemy that you had to be careful what you said. Don't give anything away that the enemy could use to their advantage. Well, Jesus says loose lips can also sink people in a couple of ways. One of them is it could sink us, and we could use our speech to sink others. Growing up, many of us likely learned the rhyme, Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie. It's a lie. Broken bones can mend. But broken hearts, due to an unkind or unwisely spoken word, may not mend. It's not all unusual, that unusual for a child that is told, you'll never amount to anything to not amount to anything. Or a child who has been told, you can be anything you want, turn out to be very successful. There's a power to our words that can affect people's lives. When I was in college reporting early for, as a resident assistant, the RAs in our dorm were, were called in by the dean of students and he told us of receiving a call from someone who was dropping his grandson off early for school, and this incoming freshman was extremely shy and scared to death of going to college. So he asked us to pay a little extra attention to him in the few days before the other students arrived, and we did. We included him in many of our pre-semester activities and bolstered him by our words, and I think we created a monster. Soon Speed, that was his name, became very outgoing, a leader on the campus. And while that was probably inside him, it just needed to be nurtured, it was a lesson to me that there's a power to our words that can affect people's lives. And because this is true, someone once devised four gates that our thoughts should walk through before they're ever formed into words out of our mouths. And again, not to pick on Facebook, but I'll pick on Facebook. Imagine if we use these four gates for Facebook or for any of our conversations with our friends about politics or about whatever it may be. Imagine if we first funneled all of our thoughts through these four gates and then only let out what we thought passed through those gates with flying colors. What kind of difference would it make? Gate one. Is it confidential? If it's confidential, it should never be spoken. Gate two, is it true? 
investigate first. Been a lot of fact-checking in the, in the media and in the social media now, and sometimes our fact-checking has to be fact-checked. Is it true? Thirdly, is it necessary? Is it necessary? You know, there are true things that just aren't necessary. Just aren't necessary to say. It doesn't matter how true they are. Is it useful or is it useless? And then gate four, is it kind? Does it have a wholesome purpose? Think about the rhetoric flying around right now. Is most of it kind? Does most of it serve a wholesome purpose? As Christians, we need to lead the way on this. As Christians, we need to call ourselves to account and maybe others to account in how we use our words. Because words affect people. But words can also affect the life of the speaker. The word you speak in time will echo in eternity, said one anonymous speaker. Jesus put it this way, you will be accountable on judgment day for your careless words. You mean God will punish us for a slip of the lip? Well, Jesus' point is that often the slip of the lip actually reveals our internal attitudes. And God judges our attitudes as well as our actions as we've seen in these Ten Commandments. In a more positive fashion, Paul makes the connection between our hearts and mouths regarding our faith and salvation, our eternity, our eternal salvation. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, he says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's your mouth with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Our hearts and our mouths have a connection with our eternity as well. So do we realize the impact, the power of our words? As we watch our mouths for the words we speak, what does it tell us about our destiny? Is it encouraging? Or are there areas in our speech, perhaps in our hearts, where we need forgiveness and change? Frederick Buechner once wrote, Speech is a much larger part of our lives than we realize. It's the overflow of being. It's the main way we express what we are. It's the major fruit of our personhood. Speech is the self-expressed, that is, literally, pressed out. Changing the way we talk can only effectively be done at the root of the innermost self. And this innermost self, the heart, can only be right when it's rooted in a right relationship with God's Son. And so at the root of all this is what is our relationship with Jesus Christ? Who are you? What are you at heart? One way to know the answer to those questions is to watch our mouths. Let's pray. Father God, it's sobering to think about how easily our speech can be used to damage others, but also how easily our speech can be used to, to see what's really going on inside ourselves. We pray that you would help us to watch our mouths this week that you would help us not to contribute to the hurtful 
and divisive rhetoric that goes on in our culture, but to stand up for the truth and to stand up for Jesus' way in all we do, but also in all we say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Lord, speak to me that I may speak. Sometimes we use this before the message to prepare, but this is also for us as we go out, to, for God to speak to us so that we can speak the way he wants us to. Let's stand as we sing together.